Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. I did it again. Did you? I feel like that one was more regular. Yeah, I tried to I tried to escape it. Episode 148, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game. It's just it's been so cheerful and musical these past <laughs> few days. I want to know what's what everything is delicious, man. You seem so happy. You, you accept certain realities about the Eagle season and you just move along about your day but that's benjamin Solak. follow him on twitter at benjamin Solak. that's s-o-l-a-k ben how you doing brother mike you don't watch basketball i saw the, and i put this question out there and i got a ton of responses from the philly faithful i understand the importance now of ben simmons after what coming into his third year finally a shooting a meaningful three b making it wild concept in the year of our Lord 2019 with the way that I've seen basketball in the past few years just watching the finals. It's amazing because like at one turn, we're all here like, listen, with pressure beating down on his face, game on the line, Carson should have put a better ball on Zacherts on third and 10 so he could have caught it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like high high stress, tough situation, missed him by about a half yard, should have been a better ball. The city exploded. And then and then right, and then like two days later, <laughs> a professional basketball player hits a three point shot. Right. In and the first I'm quarter. Like, he's the most skilled person ever seen. It's just very funny <laughs> to like put these things in perspective. I also had the joy of watching Russell Wilson, like, you know, leader for MVP, maybe two horse race for MVP. I think he's the leader, but yeah, it's definitely at least yeah. a two horse race right Watch now. him. Miss throws and, you know, bad pocket management and stuff. And just be like, yeah, I don't think anybody who has, you know, crazy, crazy wins criticism. People have fair wins criticism, whatever. But nobody who has crazy wins criticism has probably watched Russell Wilson recently because he does the same things. Yeah. But either way, no, Ben Simmons hit a three. Mm -hmm. And I have never patronizingly appreciated a professional athlete, a number one overall pick, a adonis of basketball athleticism and skill more yay honey and i'm thinking myself like why am i so excited for him but i am so like i said i only watch the finals for basketball now imagine me having seen golden state for several years crush three after three and the city of philadelphia explodes over one it's like the hell is going on how did this narrative get so out of control what is this anyway it is nonsense (laughs) and enjoyable yeah which means it's 
perfectly suited for Philadelphia Twitter. I agree. So we are obviously recording this on a Thursday afternoon. You'll be hearing this Friday morning, and this is going to be the first of the two-part series where we preview the Eagles and the Seahawks today. We are going to be taking a look at the Seahawks offense against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. First up, I'm not going to go through the whole Seattle Seahawks injury report from Wednesday, which is the one that we're dealing with right now because there are 17 effing names on it. Uh, Some notable did not participate for them on Wednesday, and of course, we'll update this tomorrow or on the next time that we record. Uh, Dwayne Brown, the tackle, who is one of the only offensive linemen that I think is playing at a high level for them. And then Jadavion Clowney, but I expect him to play. If he doesn't play, that would be crazy fortunate for the Eagles and also for our timelines and mentions because how we didn't trade for him. So Eagles injury report. Let's get to it. Nelson Aguilar did not participate with a knee injury. Also did not participate safety Rudy Ford with an abdomen. Oh darn. Who's going to get that 10 yard penalty on the second half opening kickoff? (laughs) Tackle Lane Johnson still in the concussion protocol. He did not participate. We'll be monitoring that situation closely. Running back Jordan Howard was limited but did practice with a shoulder. Alshon Jeffrey with his ankle, limited. Jason Peters with a knee, limited. And then Nigel Bradham returns to full participation with his ankle. He should be back for this matchup with the Seattle Seahawks, which holds big-time importance. A leverage swing of something like double of what their playoff chances would be, whether a loss or a win, something around 25% to 50 25% chance of making the NFC playoffs if they lose, 50% mm. chance of making the NFC playoffs if they win. For those of you playing at home, 50% is... Two times as much as 25. That's correct. Yes. Yes, that's math. That's math. Ben, any other thoughts on the injury report before we get to uh, this look at the Seattle Seahawks offense and how they match up against the Eagles defense? Did you go through the Seattle injury report? It's 17 freaking names. I mean, it's it's Dwayne Brown and Jadavion Clowney are the main ones that, and that's from Wednesday. Do you see the Thursday one? Because I don't see it up yet. No, I haven't found it. I will say that they do expect Tyler Lockett to play, which is a big deal. Huge deal. Because... That's the he number one target, and he's quite a good football player, yeah. and uh, he's a wide receiver. <laughs> that <laughs> tends to be a problem. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. But no, I haven't seen the Thursday one. Maybe it'll pop up during the show. But as of right now, like Brown, I think is supposed to be good. I think they're just managing him. If I read, I, I think I read that somewhere. But either Might way, be load load management is that yeah, NBA load thing. But right, but Clowney. Being DNP doesn't interest me at all because he's yeah. been DNP because for weeks in practice. They just they hold him out of practice. I've officially made two basketball references on this podcast, and that's two ever in the history of this podcast. Yeah, we're getting good ratio so far. Okay, so let's dig into the Seattle Seahawks offense, giving a broad overview. Number one, called by offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Doesn't paint a real hopeful picture for the Eagles when you look at what this offense has been able to do this year. They've scored under 21 points only once. That was against Baltimore. Uh, we'll talk about that Baltimore game later. I have points about that game. Last three games, they've gone 27, 40, and 27 against the Falcons, Bucks, and 49ers, respectively. On the season, they are seventh in points per game, fourth in the red zone, seventh in touchdown drive frequency. This team can put up some points, and they are extremely efficient. This is the fourth-ranked DVOA offense with the top, top of the line, number one-ranked DVOA passing game. So it might be trouble in Philadelphia against this defense that we're starting to think is maybe better than it was earlier in the season, maybe with some guys getting back. I'm not quite sold, as, I, as I've said before. Ben, overall, 
What do you think of this uh, Seattle offense? So Brian Schottenheimer was hired as the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks in 2017. Mm -hmm. And when Schottenheimer was hired, what circulated was the like DVOA ranking. Excuse me, 2018. He was hired in 2018. And what circulated was the DVOA rankings of his offenses that he had ever coordinated, right? And he was like never above like 15 or something, right? He was always at best average, at worst, worse than average. Why? If you look at it from an X's and O's perspective, if you take play and you take you take the, the scheme, the design, and excise it from context, no reason. Really no reason. Uh, and he's like, he's learned. He's gotten better. He's definitely developed as, as a play caller. They go deep a lot more than they used to, for sure. He's a lot less oriented on, oh, you know, PA boot, PA waggle, and just like, you know, hitting the flats with reckless abandon. They, so they do more than that, uh, which is good. But really, when you take X's and O's, it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. When you insert it back into context, you arrive at the theory of how offense should work on a game level, and that's where you run into the problems with Schottenheimer. That's when you run into second and 10 runs, which Eagles fans should be familiar with second and 10 runs. It's something the Eagles love to do this year. That's where you run into short of the sticks throwing on early downs, right? And this obsession with getting to third and manageable instead of just getting first downs and screw it if you have to use three downs to do it. That's where you get into an, an insistence on running the football. The Seahawks run the ball the fifth most of all teams in the league. If memory serves at around 46, 47%. So design, good. Theory has issues. Can I can I kind of elaborate on you? Because I was looking into these stats for Seattle, the specific ones that you were talking about, and I was actually kind of encouraged from what Schottenheimer has done. I mean, we all remember the playoff game with Dallas. Seattle has this reputation and one that's well earned that they're a run first team. But if you if you look at one score games, first and ten, first three quarters, they are thirteenth in run frequency. The Eagles are slightly higher at twelfth. I mean, and you can use the same parameters: one score game, first three quarters. Let's go second and six or more. So after a first down failure. And yes, that's how I prefer success rate. Less than five yards is a failure if you look at it from an EPA or eventual conversion standpoint. The Seahawks run on second and six plus the 11th most. That's not high. The Eagles, by the way, by the way, and this is extremely frustrating. The Eagles, second and six plus, second highest run frequency team in that situation. Only behind, I'm going to guess. Don't tell me. Not Baltimore. San Francisco. No, Washington. Washington. Oh, heavens to bad sake. Uh, yeah, that's going off memory. I think it is Washington. But remember, Bill Callahan took over and said, we're just going to be a smash mouth team. Anyway, uh, but guess who converts at a much higher rate on that down by double? In fact, it's the Seahawks more so than the Eagles. That's a conversation we have to have about the Eagles. But I did want to well, add that's that context. Right. To me, that's less about Schottenheimer learning and more about... TF is going on in Philly this year. <laughs> yeah, with exactly. the whole running the football thing. Because <laughs> there's right? still a there's still a preferred to run team in those situations that are disadvantageous to it. Yes. So I think still I think the argument holds. And like if he's getting sh- smarter, I was almost saying if he's getting like smarter, Smart. like Schottenheimer. Smarter. If he's getting smarter, he's getting smarter, and that's good news. Um, but I still think the argument holds that what holds Schottenheimer back as a play caller and the success of his offenses is not what he designs. Because if you watch what he puts out there from an X's and O's perspective, Hmm. this is a West Coast coordinator. He puts plays out there that look like Shanahan, that look like McVay. He puts plays out there that look like previous Shanahan, not Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan. He he has plays that look like Peterson's, right? And and, and route distributions and, and concepts that are all, this is all, you know, the West Coast bread and butter. This is, he's not running anything that's like, is, is just wrong. It's, it's good stuff. So I think that's an important thing to understand because you might see the 
Mickey that's taken out of the Seahawks offense on the internet and be like, what is this? Schottenheimer's not just like, oh, like everybody run 10 yards and turn around. Like that's not, you know, it's not really, it's still a good X's and O's offense. So what do they want to do? First thing they want to do is they want to run the football. This is a large offensive line, big fellas. It's not playing well, which is important to talk about. Because if yeah. last week was the Fletcher Cox game, <laughs> this week is the Fletcher Cox game, right? Which <laughs> like, you know, and that's like, okay, he's the Eagles' best player. That's the reality. But the, the, the backup center here that we've got playing for the, oh. the, the Seahawks and Joey Hunt, you know, 53, yeah. this young man is not having a great year. <laughs> yeah. And it's I put not, I put the uh, the the video of him getting bull rushed in the 49ers game. If you watch that, oh, the, the, uh, game, is that a uh, uh, Buckner? Yeah, just Buckner pants him. Pants him. Plan, uh, him. <laughs> Vita Vea took this kid out for lunch. I yep. mean, it was it wasn't pretty uh, in the Tampa Bay game. On top of that, DJ Fluker mm. not having a good year, and mm-hmm. Fluker's an up and down player. Uh, he has not had a, a a good past couple of weeks. And then on the right, this is finishing up the right side, Jermaine Effetti. Is a struggling player. I mean, I think Jermaine Effetti, he's he's had again some peaks, but I think he's been a struggling player for years now. So the center, right guard, right tackle is not a good unit that they've got there. Mikey Potty is a fine player, and then Dwayne Brown's playing really well. They bring in George Fant a lot as a, as a sixth tight end. I'm here to tell you, Mike, when Fant's on the field, they don't pass the football. Is a big tell for you there. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so uh, this the uh, center, right guard, right tackle is a bit of an issue. So. Number one, they want to run the football. Big offensive line, they like to pull them. They like to run power. They like to run counter. They run uh, guard, tackle, counter, wrap. Uh, they'll run pin, pull. They want to get these guys moving. They want to get big down blocks. They want to road pave. And then give Chris Carson an A-gap rail, a B-gap rail. Let him keep his shoulders square. Let him get vertical upfield. Now, Christopher Carson's a good football player. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, man. And, like, the... <laughs> Uh, when when a, when a running back's biggest issue is fumbling, that's prohibitive to him getting onto the field. But like because he's not my running back, I have the opportunity to just watch him like right. not fumble it. Like I watch him fumble it twice on you know all twenty two film when I don't like I'm not in like the swell of the game and I'm like all right screw it, two fumbles who cares? Which like really obviously you do, but you're gonna kind of put that to the side. He's a great athlete. He's got good instincts. He's more elusive than you expect for a 215, 220 kid. Yeah. Boy he can hit and run. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they are big up front and they are big in the back. And so they will be physical. They will try to pound you. They want to run between the tackles. Like I said, they want to pull, they want to kick out, they want to down block, give Carson a vertical gap, get him into the second or the third level and then he can run while he's hitting you, and secondary players usually takes one or two to take him down. Uh, so this is a good rushing attack for that reason. They don't really do a ton of zone stuff. When they do, it's mm-hmm. tagged with Reed. It's tagged with Ark. Mm-hmm. Wilson has the option to keep it. He doesn't keep it very frequently because if you get zone flow away from you with Russell Wilson in the backfield, and you're staying put. Mm-hmm. Maybe not if you're Derek Barnett, God forbid. He's a big threat to keep it, so you're being more disciplined there. Most of the time teams elect to let Carson keep it on zone flow because these guys like Fluker, Effetti moving on zone flow, you should be able to beat them. You should be, this is not a good zone running team. This is a power running team. Then what we get off of that is play action. Now play action is harder to accomplish when you're frequently pulling versus when you're running zone. It is easier to run play action off of zone blocking than it is to run it off, off man blocking. You still can, not saying you can't, but if you're smart at the linebacker position, and this is where we get to a big deal for the Eagles. You should, this is not an RPO team. 
So you don't have to worry about quick keying on climbers to the second level. Like, all right, you know, we got a center climbing. Is this a run? Is this a pass? If there's a center climbing, it's a run. Promise. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting pullers, but you are getting run action, more often than not, I would say that's play action from the Seahawks. Yeah. So if you're getting low hat off the ball, whenever we talk about linebackers keying play action, keying keying run action versus play versus pass, you talk about low hat, high hat. So right at the snap, does that head of that that offensive lineman stay down or does it pop up? If it pops up, we're talking about pass. He's getting back into his set. If it stays down, we're talking about a guy who's looking to generate displacement. He thinks it's a run. If you get low hat off the line, but nobody's pulling, don't fill. I mean, but like be be hesitant. Right, you know, right, be right. cautious. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I am more worried about the Eagles linebackers than I am about the Eagles corners. Me too. Eagles corners have been playing decently better football wouldn't call it great still think they're going to struggle the past few weeks the eagles linebacking core even with bradham back has really struggled against play action and is not good in coverage well this team i i said that schottenheimer's moved away from the flats but this team will flat and 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 intermediate cross you to death if they can Mm -hmm. and they're going to take their deep shots russell wilson's like six in intended air yards this year 9.3 i think the number is yeah Yeah, 9.3 so so they 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 like to pass deep but if you're going to give wilson boot action and a linebacker trailing you know jacob hollister of one but like they'll put dk metcalf and tyler Lockett in the nasty split alignment and then run him as the shallow cross if they were a tight end you get Nate Gary trying to chase down Tyler Lockett at DK Metcalf. I mean, Wilson's going to take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So it's a big deal for Philadelphia to parse and understand the running game. If you're getting pullers, they want to be a power running team. You Obviously, you have to come down. You have to key down. You have to fill. You have to crash. And if that's play action, that's play action. But play action is difficult to accomplish with pullers, especially against an offensive line or excuse me, a defensive line like Philadelphia's that penetrates. Mm. Because all of a sudden, you do not have guys in position to account for that penetration you had russell wilson under center turning his back to the the defensive line he executes play action he turns around fletcher cox tim jernigan won their gap now it's a pass rush mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of time for a deep shot so play action is hard to run with pullers if you get zone flow play action look you have to be really cognizant of quick crossers that's where they boot wilson that's where it's rollout that's where it's flood and then they run leak behind it and then they run ghost wheels behind it right and that's where your corners and your safeties need to be smart mm-hmm. but this is this is what's difficult about how this team builds run game to play action so your 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 linebackers are critical because if you can't take that away that's bread and butter it doesn't matter what your corner is going to be able to do because they're never going to be in a spot where they need to go third and long because they're going to be on schedule the whole game so that's the first hurdle to clear and it doesn't belong to the eagles corners it belongs to their linebackers the past three games, we have seen an uptick in play action from the Seahawks, which, I mean, it really needs to be a permanent fixture of their offense. They've gone from 23% in the first seven games to 35% in the last three. And if you asked me why it took so long, I couldn't tell you, but if you can check out the difference between play action and non-play action. Completion percentage is 77% with play action, 66% without. Yards per attempt, 10.3 versus 7.7. Quarterback rating, 141 Verse 106, that 141 leads the NFL in play action, by the way. His touchdown rate is something like 3% higher from play action. Week 10 against the 49ers, they ran play action 48% of his dropbacks. For a defense that struggles so badly against play action like the Eagles, 
I mean, just against Brady, 7.4 yards per attempt with the run fake, 3.4 yards per attempt without it. Massive difference. That is trouble for this team. And we've talked about why so many different times throughout this season. Big disconnect between the linebackers in coverage and the defensive backs. Because also on top of that, you you can get Wilson either extra protection, because with play action a lot of times you're leaving guys in, or slowing down the pass rush in the reads, or you give him the opportunity to use his legs on rollouts where he can make any throw in the book on the move, and he's got time to survey the field. And if he needs to run, he's in space and not trying to weave through a congested pocket. And it's hard to get a feel for which way the boot is coming because, as our friend Mark Schofield pointed out on the QB Sco Show this week, they'll boot left or right because he can throw to his ball hand. He can throw rolling to his off ball hand. It doesn't matter. He's just obnoxious. I mean, honestly. He is. How dare you? It adds another layer of deception or confusion, however you want to frame that. They also like to, and this worries me even more, They'll take advantage with soft coverage with wide receiver screens that suck in the nickel back with some run action or the linebacker responsible for that flat. And they'll get the numbers advantage out there. Shout out to the Julio Jones game winning touchdown in week two. We all remember that at the end of the game. And that's something that they will do. We have often said on this show that play action is in fact a cheat code. And it is. And we call Russell Wilson a cheat code. And he is. For my money, that's double the cheat code. And the Seahawks can't possibly look at this Eagles defense that stacks the box like they do. And is so right. eager to flow and fly upfield with run fakes to say, no, nah, that won't work. Well, do you remember like five, six weeks into the season where the Eagles defense was tied for being the best run defense in the league? Yeah. Do you remember with whom they were tied? No, I don't. Was it? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> what? Right? Oh, that's right. I, yeah, you, you said that on the pod. Yeah. And in week nine, the Seattle Seahawks play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> this was, how do I put this? A good game for Russell Wilson mm. <laughs> because the Buccaneers load the box mm. and they try to play man on the backside and they mm. do not have the personnel to do it. Wilson attempted 43 passes, Jeez. which is the most he has attempted in any game with Brian Schottenheimer as his offensive coordinator. He had 41 against Baltimore. They were trailing in that game. Uh, Tampa, they were leading pretty much the whole game. 43 passes. He threw for 378 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. I went through all those touchdowns, by the way. Boy, is there some just, just divine placement. This is why, like, Russ Wilson's obnoxious, right? Yeah. If you were to come to me tomorrow and be like, you know, you being the general, you, not you, then I want to learn how to evaluate the quarterback position. What do you look for? What do you need? <laughs> I would be like, all right, step one, don't watch Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, watch Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. You watch Drew Brees. You watch Tom Brady. Right. Cool. And then when you're done watching that, understanding all of that, now you learn how to break the rules, right? Yeah. Now you learn which rules you can flex when you have just talent inexplicable, mm. which is your Mahomes's, your Lamar's, and namely your Russell Wilson's. Because Correct. I watch Wilson take a five-step drop, and I'm like, stop it. That's, no, <laughs> you're not, that's wrong. <laughs> and then he's in time down the field, 25 yards, you know, with not even like getting his hallway set correctly. It's mm. just like, well, huh. <laughs> I just think that everything I believed I knew to be true is now a lie. So, right, Wilson, and, and I want to bring up, we should bring up that Tampa game specifically because there's something that you notice in the Tampa game that's critical for the Eagles offense to understand because it's how you make sure you give up three and not seven to the Seahawks. Yeah, we're going to talk about it up next here on the Kissed and Solak Show. We'll dig more into Russell Wilson's game and get into Ben's tidbit that he teased there. We'll be right back after this. 
We are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 148. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. We are previewing part one of our preview series. It's the Seattle Seahawks offense against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Ben, before we get to matchups, I do want to get to your point about Russell Wilson, what you were talking about with the Tampa Bay game. Go for it. The floor is yours. Right. So this is not so much the Tampa Bay game, which is a game in which Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns through the air, which is, you know, maybe good, maybe not. There's no way of knowing. Um, but this is also just mostly a discussion of where Wilson's passing touchdowns are coming from, Mm. because I have, don't think I've ever seen a team be like this. Okay. With being this obvious, but on every single drive, when the Seahawks get inside their opponent's 40, they dial up a shot play Uh every single one or a screen, which Mm -hmm. like what? But okay. Well, like DK Metcalf is a full grown deer and really hard to bring down. Sure, but like they'll they'll dial it up to to uh, uh you know they'll dial it up to Chris Carson if they want to whatever. Oh yeah. But you go and you watch this Tampa the Tampa game is where I noticed it, and then I went mm. through and I looked at at drive finders on 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 PFR to make sure I understood what was happening. Mm. When this team clears, usually like the forty, the thirty eight, the thirty seven, whatever. Hey, what if we went empty? What if we went four wide? And we dial up a shot play. Yeah. What do the Seahawks shot plays look like? Sometimes four verts. Eh, exciting. Usually no. Usually play action. Mm-hmm. Zone footwork. From the offensive line. Mm-hmm. We roll Russell Wilson out. Roll Russell Wilson out. Mm-hmm. We say, hey, look. Russell Wilson's running to his right. Here are routes going to the right-hand side. What's happened? Nope. And then it's a deep crosser left. Or it's yeah. leak, or it's right. It's like I said, the ghost screen to David Moore tight end. It's a, it's really cool designs. It's, it's everything is going right. All this eye candy, but but they're only made possible because you can take a player like Wilson, you can move him to his left, and then you can throw a crosser to the right accurately, mm-hmm. which is bonkers. Not okay. <laughs> right <laughs> like this is very difficult so they have such mo- they have more access to the field than other teams mm-hmm. do with their quarterbacks they can access right. the entire freaking field it's crazy and that's that's the really nice thing about having a, a, a not only a quarterback like wilson uh with 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 you know the arm strength that we're talking about and, and the placement that we're talking about and the field vision that we're talking about and the mobility that we're talking about but also like wilson's very risk averse so he's really good at saying, mm, nah, safety's too close. And then it's a six-yard scramble, or then it's a check down. And then it's a – so this is like, you know, like, I think, you know, you don't really have any complaints about Patrick Mahomes. But if you did, it would be in that context. He tends to be like, yeah, let's sling it. Which, again, you don't want to take that away from him because it's bonkers and it's bananas and it's awesome and he's really good and go team. But – Wilson, who I always joke because Seahawks Twitter has this whole like Wilson's basically Mahomes thing, which he's not. But there, if there is one thing that Wilson's got that Mahomes needs, it's temperance, it's self control, uh, and I think he's really good at understanding where he's gotten beat out of his spots, uh, and he doesn't have an opportunity. Now, I said I wanted to talk about the Baltimore game when the Seahawks got into shot play territory i.e. they crossed the Baltimore 40. I think Baltimore knew that they were going to want to dial up deep plays, and they did a really good job taking them away. How did they take them away? Well, Baltimore has something Philadelphia does not have, and it's the ability to play man coverage. You have to be able to do it because Wilson's going to be able to hang in the pocket for ages, Mm. and you can't hold zones for that long. And then also, if they're going to send deep crossers with guys like Lockett, 
guys like Metcalf, and then also, low-key, Jacob Hollister is not a slow football player for the tight end position. you got to be able to run with these guys. Mm-hmm. If you try to run zone, they're going to give you too many crossers. The Eagles are not going to be able to exchange those deep down the field. We know that they struggle with it. You're going to give up big plays. I was going to say, they, they, we always talk about, why can't he just pick up this route right here? They don't. They're going to get gashed if they don't right. go to man. Okay, so you've got to go to man. Well, what do we know? Like, you know, like quick quiz for the listeners. Man coverage against a quarterback like Russell Wilson. What's the problem? What are we What are we worried about? You turn your back to the quarterback and you give him a chance to like pick up free twenty of like a free twenty yards before anybody realizes the jig is up. You know. So what's 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 your solution? You got to run a spy, and this is what San Francisco tried to do. At times, they also didn't do it on a critical third down in overtime. But don't ask me about that play. I didn't understand it. What? So what? You you try to put a spy on him. Well, here's the thing, Mike. Who's spying Russell Wilson on this football team? Nobody, nobody. The answer is probably, my answer is Camus. I think their answer is Nate. Yeah. I don't think either of them have a great chance. I think Camus has the best chance. Either way, I get really skittish about like, oh, just put a spy on him and have it be a linebacker. And you're Because it's not that easy. Right. Right. So you're in a situation now where if the Seahawks get inside of your 40, they're dialing up a shot play. You have to be able to take it away. If and when you do, congratulations. This is not a great red zone team. And one of the reasons is because they like to load the box to run, which is, you know, generally not the way that you want to do that. And also because they don't necessarily have a great red zone receiver i think lockett is a really good separation player and separation can be valuable in the red zone but windows are much narrower and so you have to be you know perfect in your separation perfect on your timing so on and so forth so this is not a great red zone team so if they take you down into the red zone cool you won because you survived the shot play you have a good red zone defense they don't have a great red zone offense go for it the other thing that matters is this is a cowardly football team that does not go for it on fourth down in those circumstances in which They'll be at the Eagles 40, the Eagles 35. They have a fourth and short. They usually don't elect to go for those plays. And then finally, this is a team that's not had a great kicking game this year and has not been super consistent. And they'll they'll take those field goals and they'll try them. You're talking about from 40 to 49, four of seven from 50 plus, one of three for Jason Myers. And we're looking at right now in Philly on Sunday, 10 mile plus prior winds and, wa- and weather and water, rain. That's what it's called. You, if you can, if you can kill this team's drives at the 35-40, they are not as effective of a team. The closer they get to the end zone, yep. they don't go for it on fourth down, and they're not great at kicking. One of the things about the Seahawks is that their point differential is not good for an eight and two team. Why is this the case? Because they have a lot of drives die in, at the thirty. Yeah, this is where you got to be able to win. But if you can't take away the shot play, it doesn't matter. And you can't take away the shot play because you can't exchange deep zones. And you can't exchange deep deep zones because you're. Secondary doesn't communicate, so you have to play man coverage, and you're not good at playing man coverage because you don't have good corners, and that also means you need work out of your linebackers covering Wilson. So it doesn't look great, but this is the formula. <laughs> this is this is this is what I see in, in Seattle in terms of situational play calling when they get past midfield. So yeah. moral of the story is when Seattle gets inside the 40, tell your buddy who you're watching with that they're probably about to dial up a play action shot. More often than not, you're gonna be right. Or screen. Part of the formula, you gotta get pressure on russell wilson but I, I want you to check out these under pressure statistics from russell wilson because they are it's it's crazy number one he's pressured on 42 percent of his dropbacks and that's partly on him because he likes to extend plays partly on the offensive line because the offensive line is bad but under pressure 
He has thrown nine touchdowns, the most of any quarterback. Only one interception. You mentioned him being risk-averse before. One interception under pressure. That's really, really good. 57% completion rate, which is fourth. 71% adjusted completion rate, ranks fifth. Quarterback rating of 108.7. That's third in the league. The guy has over 1,000 yards while under pressure. That's way more than anybody else. Absurd. We don't have to mince words. This is an elite quarterback that you're going up against. Let's talk about the weapons real quick before we get to the uh, over-under projection, maybe some some matchups here. So what you're probably going to get from PFF and how they typically align, DK Metcalf would see Ronald Darby, Tyler Lockett would see Avante Maddox, and David Moore would see Jalen Mills. Lockett against Maddox is a problem. Darby and Metcalf is kind of like weird, right? Because I think Darby can just like stick to him. He's not going to like just throw it to him. You think Darby's going to locate the ball and find it before DK does? But that's what I mean. Darby has bad ball skills. So they're going to be close to each other. And if I'm Russell, I'm throwing it up anyway. But really, I do think if Lockett plays and he draws Maddox a bunch, Maddox has struggled. And I think he has regressed from last year and that's a whole different discussion about the positional coaches but if ronald darby <laughs> bites on a dk metcalf double move oh it's gonna be dirty i cry it's gonna be dirty you know how many people are gonna complain about how the eagles drafted jj ortega whiteside instead of dk metcalf in this game metcalf josh gordon didn't pick him runs up. four routes yep which is fine but he can run the double if he's like hey i'm about to run a curl route please dear god let him <laughs> Aha, uh -huh, I'm going to go pick this off. I'm Asante Samuel. No, you aren't. Yeah. He's very fast. Please stay over the top. Mm. Right. My Maddox didn't play that badly against Julian Edelman takes. About to get a real big double down against Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see see how that, that goes for him. The, you can't run a similar one rack coverage to what Philly did, which I thought about because I was like, hey, this solves your problem with the spy too because you have a rat. Right? I was like, haha, genius. But the reason that I don't think you can run it that well is because the Seahawks really don't run shallow cross and, and, and you know, like hitch and option and pivot, like all the stuff that, that you were trying to take away from New England. They really don't run it. It's intermediate and deep stuff. So that rat defender isn't going to be as valuable. You know what they are going to run for sure? What's that? Invert two. Oh, God, <laughs> I know. perfect, perfect. Uh, route distribution to run against it they're gonna get hit with play action against invert two and the like tyler lockett 56 yard touchdown post route dk metcalf same thing both of them right like all which, of them <laughs> yep which that's the thing is like the seahawks don't do that a ton but they do it when they know they've got it and against invert two <laughs> everyone <got> it. has it <laughs> against the eagles historically it has never missed once uh so yeah they're 100 gonna run invert two though because that's what they like against like you know, deep dig, Yankee, pin, Mills teams, and that's what you're going to be getting from uh, the Seahawks. With that said, let's go to the DraftKings Sportsbook official line here. The Eagles are one and a half point favorites at home, which means Vegas thinks that the Seahawks are slightly better, but give the nod to the Eagles because they're at home. The over-under is set at 48, so like 25 to 23 is what we should call it. Do you think the Seahawks score over or under 23 points? Over. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think this game is going to end 38-35, and I'll tell you who wins later. Uh, we're going to get some points in this football game. And I think the biggest hope here, and there's a great piece about this, and Ben has already kind of alluded to it, but by uh, Michael Sean uh, Dugar. Dugar? I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I've Michael, alluded to it? Yeah. This is the article on The Athletic. Uh, the Seahawks, who rank 30th in fourth down aggressiveness this year, which was a chart put together by Ben Baldwin, also at The oh, Athletic, okay. 
Humst will be talking with John Stolness for a special eye on the enemy Seahawks edition. The hope is that the Eagles are going to be able to get some third down stops in their territory and Seattle will settle for field goals. They will. They're cowards like that. So say they make the red zone or near red zone on like five drives. You hold them to two touchdowns, three field goals, 23 points. That's what that is. Given that none of them are missed, and we talked about the issues with their kicking game, third phase of the game, very important. It needs its own podcast. So maybe you get lucky and he shanks a couple, and I'd rather be lucky than good. But 23 points would be a win for this defense in my mind. I am slamming the over. I am hitting the over so hard on this one, Ben. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of points scored in this game. We'll talk about how the Eagles are going to come across them tomorrow. Anything else you'd like to add before you say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Oh, no, I have nothing to add. I think that we did a great job. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiston Solak Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. It is the first half of the Eagles Seahawks preview shows. This was the Seahawks offense against the vaunted Eagles defense, as Field Yates told us. Uh, Eagles defense. By the way, hey, Eagles defense. Give us more than one turnover in the last three games if you really are that stinking good. Go ahead. Yep. Sorry. Uh, leads the league in yards per game allowed since uh, since we gave 238 yards per Empty game counts. and yards per play at 4.2. Right, which is cool. They've also played one quarterback <laughs> over the past three weeks. <laughs> Who played they poorly. lost that football game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which feels good, dude. And as we said, again, after the Eagles game, or after the Patriots game, excuse me, the defense is playing better. But... I think we might be in for more than 4.2 yards per play against <laughs> the Seahawks. Yeah. This is the first half of the preview. Uh, the next half, Eagles offense facing the Seahawks defense, like I said. Should be a lot of points in this one. So if the Eagles win it, it's on the back of an offense that has struggled since coming out of the bye. That was the Patriots game, and that's it. So I don't really know why I framed it that way, but I did. Uh, you can expect to find that in your feeds for Saturday morning, along with our final predictions for the show. As Mike said, I on the enemy coming out. John Stolness, of course, the main show uh, with B- uh, Bleeding Green. Brandon Lee Gowan. Brandon Lee Gowan. May he Baby forever reign. And Jimmy Kemsky, Babes on Broad with Jessica Town and Sam Wilson. If you enjoyed the show, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. He's Michael Kist on Twitter. at Michael Kist NFL's KS. You have Benjamin Solak on Twitter. at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. We will chat with you tomorrow. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. P-G-N.